Welcome. Everything is on track. You're listening to Fork and Bullshit, the Good Place podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Vivian. And we'll be the architects of your afterlife experiment. This week we'll be talking about Season 4, Episode 3, Chillaxing. This episode was written by Aisha Muharrer, directed by Anya Adams, and it aired October 10th, 2019. Eleanor and Michael discover that Brent is not participating in Chidi's classes, and Chidi isn't concerned. They realize that because Chidi isn't being tortured, he doesn't have the chance to become a better person. They decide he needs to live in a world of low-grade dread, and Eleanor is a little too happy to get started. Tahani focuses on helping John. She plans a spa day for the two of them, hoping that his pettiness on Earth was just a result of being excluded from the world of the rich and powerful. First, we open his pores, and then... We open his heart. We exfoliate the dead skin cells of envy, and we detoxify his soul. Spa day. Spa day. Eleanor and Michael recruit Jason's help with Chidi, while Tahani shares hot gossip with John. She tries to sell him on the study of ethics by describing it as a colonic, but for your soul. John declines her offer. Eleanor introduces Chidi to Jianyu, who wishes to join his ethics study group. She asks Chidi to promise he'll help Jianyu no matter what. Wow. I mean, a promise from a strict Kantian like yourself is just about the most ironclad agreement in the universe. Moments after she leaves, Jason tells Chidi he's not really a Buddhist monk and he's not supposed to be here. A week passes and Chidi is completely stressed out trying to cover for Jason. Eleanor and Michael ask him to accompany Jianyu to the luau that night, hoping he'll help break the monk out of his shell. After a week of making John feel special, Tahani and Janet don't understand why he hasn't improved. Tahani decides to be more direct with him. Jason advises Eleanor to ease off on Chidi, but she dismisses it. Please, he's not even dry heaving yet. How many tums did he take today? Like 20. That's nothing. We don't stop until it's the whole bottle. Tahani tells John that his articles were hurtful, and he lashes out on her. The luau is in full swing and all the residents have magic lava stones that when thrown into the fire gives them what their soul most desires. Chidi tries to keep Jason from throwing in his stone, but he fails. A motorcycle with Pamela Anderson's bust appears and Chidi lies, claiming it as his own. Eleanor wants to keep the pressure on, but Michael says they've done enough. Chidi comes to them to talk. He says that he feels like he's being punished, and Eleanor bursts into tears. Oh no. No, 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 no. No, I, I'm, I made God cry? <laughs> Michael covers for her, and then asks Chidi to identify the problem in the neighborhood so he can eliminate it by blowing it up. Chidi says it's the motorcycle, and Michael ushers him out. Tahani realizes that she and John have more in common than she first suspected. If all you care about in the world is the velvet rope, you will always be unhappy, no matter which side you're on. You and I are proof of that. She shares with him, and he apologizes for all the mean things he wrote about her. They decide to start fresh. Chidi decides that instead of trying to not get caught, he will help Jason become a better person. Eleanor confesses to Michael that she's angry Chidi left her, and she feels guilty for being angry. He tells her to feel her feelings, process it, and keep on. The team gathers for a status report, and they're all feeling hopeful. In the distance, ominous music plays while a cloaked figure is making their way to the neighborhood. So right at the beginning of the episode, we have Eleanor chatting with Michael about how much she misses Chidi Mm -hmm. and how much she loves him. And uh, we get wham, bam, introduction to a new philosopher that I hadn't heard of at this point, Schopenhauer. Oh, yes. She mentions that, ooh, look, I have a new Schopenhauer action figure with a a quill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I looked him up and... He seemed like an interesting person. Yeah? Yeah, he was around in the 1800s, and if you look him up, there's a really, really, I don't know how to describe his portrait, but (laughs) (laughs) he's kind of like a- a good-looking dude? He was not. (laughs) He was a Beetlejuice-looking mofo. (laughs) Okay. So- yeah, he had thoughts on a lot of things. Sure. Um, he generally had very negative views on women as well. Oh, lovely. Um, it seems to be stemming from his relationship with his mother, who is... It's, very, were... it's coming off very classic serial killer right now. Like, <laughs> okay. 
Tell me um, the good things about Schopenhauer. Schopenhauer claimed that misery is natural for humans, and that even if some utopian society were established, people would still fight each other out of boredom, or would starve due to overpopulation. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Hmm. That was one of his thoughts. Okay. So, yeah, I guess it's hard to tell because we've never actually seen a utopia Mm -hmm. on this show, right? The closest we've got is their fake good place. Yep, and then the actual good place's post office. And even there, the committee did have some, not arguments, but some certain disagreements about things, I guess. Yep. There was a little tension there between some of them. Okay. Huh. So not a super fun dude. Not a Superman style action figure. No, but it makes sense <laughs> that Chidi would have an action figure of him because uh, Schopenhauer was a big fan of Kant. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So a, a fanboy for a fanboy, right? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So what did you think about Eleanor and Michael's plan to torture Chidi this episode? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it really, the parallels were obviously very on point. Yes. But it was, I don't know, it was kind of scary seeing how quickly she jumped onto the concept of torturing Mm. him. Right. She was kind of excited to. So all those times in the past few seasons where we've had... Eleanor being compared to Michael is very much on point this episode. Oh, big time. Yeah. (laughs) I liked it a lot. I thought that it was a lot of fun to see season one in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we had season one where Eleanor was the one telling him, oh, I don't belong here and you need to help me. And I need you to promise that you will help me no matter what. And now it's Jason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's a different connection there, for sure. Um, And I can see why at the end he's saying that he feels like he's the one being punished. Because in season one, it's so clearly Eleanor being punished. Because the chaos sequence is all about her. And she's receiving these threatening messages. And Michael seems to be on her at all these different moments. But... Really, the stress isn't on Chidi. It's not like he's going to be found out. And I I just don't see it as the same. Um, Whereas this one, it's like, he's the one getting all the stress. Jason isn't stressed about being caught. (laughs) He doesn't care. Because literally, Jason isn't stressed about being caught. Like, he might have been in season one. Which, do we know if Jason even gets stressed but regardless, it made a lot of sense that he felt he was the one being punished. And I like that that was kind of a, a good twist mm-hmm. on the season one type story that we were doing there. Yeah, how we've seen it all before, but slightly different. Yeah, and different enough to still be interesting and for us to want to see how things are going to play out mm-hmm. with these two characters. Plus, it's just nice to get some Chidi and Jason time because they really don't hang out a lot on this show yeah <laughs> and it's it's kind of interesting when eleanor and michael knock on chidi's door when jason's butthole is in full bloom and there's a mess <laughs> everywhere and and he opens the door and michael and eleanor are there and it just reminded me a lot of the couple in season one um right when um when eleanor and chidi were locked in or not locked mm-hmm. in but housebound and the uh, the couple's counselors came in and they're just like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> we have to pretend like everything is fine. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get busted. <laughs> yeah, I actually really love that moment where Chidi opens the door and he's like, oh, yeah, it's been redecorated. And I, oh, I see you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> It just made me think of all the times that we have people over or that people... We're over at other people's houses, and I just want to leave. <laughs> I just yeah. want them to not be there. And uh, it's sad, because the very beginning of the episode, Chidi is so happy. Like, he's so happy. He's laughing. He's yeah. making jokes about Kant. He's... I don't even think we've seen him laugh that much, ever. 
Yeah. He's he's so happy and it's actually part of it is like represented through his wardrobe in this episode. He starts off wearing, you know, a fun hat, which is so unlike Chidi. How is <laughs> how does he ever choose a hat, right. right? And he's got this flowy light blue shirt and these light khaki pants. Like he's just he's breezy. He's He's breezy. Yeah. He, yeah. Chidi is breezy, and that is not a word that has ever been used with Chidi, right? No. <laughs> and then pretty much as soon as Jason comes into the mix, he's right back to wearing, like, darker pants and more form-fitting shirts that are much more structured and stuffy. I noticed that he wasn't wearing any sweater vests in this episode, and that was kind of a staple of his back in season one. So I'm wondering if we will see something like that at some point, just to show how much he's going back into that stressful little, almost like turtle shell, you know, where he's Mm -hmm. just like covering himself up and hiding and his anxiety and underneath all these layers of clothes. And uh, since I'm on the topic now, I, um, I really loved Michael and... Eleanor's relationship this episode and they were also matching clothes yes Um, their yellows were so nice yes she had the yellow sweater on and he had a yellow bow tie on and I was wondering if that was significant in any kind of way because when I've listened to the the official good place the podcast um they've mentioned a few times certain colors are significant and that they weren't able to use the color red throughout the whole first season because it was kind of a, a devil hellish color and they didn't want to use that. Um, and so I looked up the meaning of the color yellow and I found a couple of interesting tidbits. I often think of yellow as like this really positive color. I think of sunshine and happiness and spring and sunflowers, all that kind of stuff. But it has this darker side. Uh, Apparently the color yellow can be anxiety producing because it's fast moving to our eyes. Um, So I kind of like the idea that maybe Eleanor and Michael are going so far as to use their wardrobe to make (laughs) Chidi feel agitated. That's just low. (laughs) And uh, it can also represent cowardice, like being yellow bellied. Uh, It can represent deceit and betrayal which makes a lot of sense for how Eleanor is acting in this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, she feels ashamed for torturing Chidi and for having this anger towards him. And she feels guilty for not keeping her promise to take care of him. And she's deceiving him several times and manipulating him several mm-hmm. times just to get the results that she wants for her experiment. She's using him, right? Yeah. So yellow was a... Uh, was a significant color, I think, in this episode. But even before that, we see just they're always kind of in matching shades of blue or matching shades of uh, like a floral kind of print. Right. You know, they're always visually a team. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Little little things here and there that just kind of add to the show. Kind of like how Michael and Janet were in season one. Yeah. They have similar matchy matchy things. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Janet, there wasn't a whole lot going on with her this episode. No, she was mostly just helping out to honey. Yep. Um, But I did like her moment where she talked about her hair Mm -hmm. and how she did a little streak. Reminded me a lot of Britta in Community. (laughs) (laughs) When when, uh, things got dark, I dyed my hair blue. (laughs) Yes, the the darkest timeline. Yes. yeah, I thought that was funny because it's it's so true. It's so true. People going through breakups and they're like, I'm going to change everything about myself. I'm getting new hair. I'm going to the gym. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, what was it like? Go to the gym, get a lawyer. Delete whatever. Facebook. Yeah, delete Facebook. It's like all these things that you do after a breakup. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to see that she's kind of sad about things with Jason too, right? It's not as though she doesn't have any feelings for him anymore. She mm-hmm. just knows she needs to prioritize the experiment. Um, but it did kind of catch my eye because it's like pink streaks and we're not used to having kind of like reddish tones on the show, period, because they try to stay away from them. And I noticed that a few people online also noticed it. 
and we're thinking, oh, well, this is a hint that it's not the real Janet. Ah. And I'm kind of over the whole theory of this isn't the real Michael, this isn't the real Janet, this isn't the real Eleanor, some people are saying. Uh, I'm kind of done with that. I'm just going to, like, let surprises come as they may. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's not Janet. Even though she was acting weird this episode, I get it. Janet is more human every single episode. So, yeah, she's going to act a little weird when she broke up with somebody. Everybody who breaks up with somebody starts acting a little bit different afterwards because they sad, guys. They sad. Yeah. She was nice to to Hani when they were chatting about what to do with John. And she said that... She really doesn't like how John's treating Tahani, and that was kind of nice. She's mm-hmm. showing empathy and... Yeah, genuine yeah. friendship and care yeah. for someone else's emotions. Yeah, like your friend gets hurt by somebody else. All right, we hate them now. <laughs> we all hate them. Let's go beat him up. Or, you know, where is he? I'll kick his ass. <laughs> or as they, as John says in this episode, cancel them. Yeah, cancel them. <laughs> They're canceled. Yeah, it was it was actually really nice to see Tahani being vulnerable uh, as a way to help John. I actually really liked that story. I liked both stories. I thought that seeing Eleanor torture Chidi using Jason was a lot of fun, and I really liked getting to know John a little bit more. I found it easier to be sympathetic. To yeah, him absolutely. After this episode. Yeah, I completely agree. He was much more bearable as the episode went on, as you kind of understand a bit where he's coming from. Yeah. I think the moment for me was when he mentioned that he had to work for a living. He had to pay rent and bills. And, you know, this was the way that he was keeping things afloat and the way that he was making his living. And that, yes, it wasn't great, but he was successful at it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That's a tough thing. It's People get, you know, shit on for their jobs all the time. And I get it if your job is doing something horrible. Um, but it's hard for Tahani to call him out and say, hey, you need to be a better person when she didn't have all these extra stresses yeah. keeping her potentially in a job that uh, that isn't the best. In yeah. the world, you know? At first, uh, in earlier on in the episode, I wasn't quite sure if Dahani had actually changed mm-hmm. at all. Because she does say that, I, the rich and powerful, I'm going to welcome him into an exclusive world. And Dahani, you're dead. <laughs> you're no longer rich and powerful. You're the same status as everyone. She was, though. She was. And somehow that still counts. It apparently. still does for her. <laughs> And I think by the end of the episode, yeah, for him as well, it might take a few hundred years maybe to Mm -hmm. get over that mindset. But I think by the end of the episode, they're a bit more understanding of status Mm -hmm. and what it can have and how it can have a detriment to your life. Yes, absolutely. When you become obsessed with status, right? Yeah. I mean, her revelation at the end, I mean... It is fairly simplistic. Like, Mm -hmm. the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. Duh. Everyone kind of knows that expression. But she's not wrong. Like, we all have to kind of stop focusing on where we are or where we could be in life Mm -hmm. and focus more on where we are. And Like, don't worry about those people who have four kids and 13 jobs and three mansions. They're the same age as you, but they're just in a different place in life. Yeah, actually, that reminds me of Lao Tzu, um, which Chidi mentions when he's introduced to Jianyu. He says, oh, we could study Lao Tzu and Confucius. um, And Lao Tzu would talk he used to talk about um having to be in touch with our real selves and letting go of this ego that's often in the way of us finding our true selves and how we must be receptive to the outside world and be still and open so that we can discover these like central parts of ourselves Mm -hmm. and when john and tahani are just so focused on 
well, I could be this. I could be famous. I could be the writer of this gossip column that has millions of viewers and people could know my name and I could have an influence on the people that are you know, rich are rich and powerful. Mm-hmm. He's not really thinking about who he is in the moment. Right. It's, it's what could I be? How could I be better? How could I be famous? Yeah. You know, and... And for Tahani, it was basically just, how can I be better than my sister? And how can I be good enough for my parents and good enough for the people around me and better than the people around me? It was, it was constantly just like looking ahead with, instead of looking within. Yeah, I think a lot of us can relate. A lot of us mm-hmm. have either people we know that can't stop thinking about what they could be or wishing they had invented that next Facebook app or, <laughs> you know, all these things. Oh, this person became a millionaire by doing this and that. And why couldn't I do that? And instead of just focusing on themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chasing the next big thing and not really living your life in the present. Right? Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, I really enjoyed John and Tahani's story this episode i thought it was great yep yeah i really enjoyed her being vulnerable and it was kind of funny to hear about this story of her on the yacht and the the most exclusive party and then there's a more exclusive room and there's no one there and of course she stays there it makes perfect sense it doesn't seem ridiculous it's very real for her (laughs) and of course she probably justifies it as she's sitting there alone just oh i'm the most important person and everybody looks up to me right now and everybody wishes they were in here with me and mm-hmm. yeah yeah but seeing this progression with john do you think that they could do that with brent i don't know um see Tahani i want to says... say no <laughs> yeah well Tahani says at the end of the episode that she's discovered a different path for him um a different way to improve through genuine human connection instead mm. of ethics study groups sure which i think makes sense because genuine human connection is really i think what worked for all of them um sure they got some background knowledge but getting to know each other feeling some sense of duty to each other I think was more important Mm -hmm. than learning about the trolley problem (laughs) yeah everyone learns differently yeah and I think that that could happen maybe with Brent but Brent also seems to shun all human connection in general he doesn't try to make friends with anyone as far as we have seen in the afterlife he really hasn't tried to be friends with anybody right and maybe he will find a person that he is friends with but it's hard to tell i mean is someone gonna pretend to like golf he's just such a despicable person that i don't want to have him redeemed and it's so i feel like that's really wrong of me to feel that Mm. but i just i get so much satisfaction with him being I don't know, tortured for all eternity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. So I'm just going to skip ahead to this email we got from our listener, Danny. Um, Since we're on the topic of Brent and whether or not he's redeemable, Danny asked why we think he's so irredeemable. Um, She said, I mean, I agree he's a horrible person, but so is Eleanor and so is Tahani. I think Brent is just sort of an amalgamation of Eleanor and Tahani pre-Good Place. He's got Tahani's vanity and superiority and Eleanor's lack of care for anyone else and overall lack of moral goodness. I'd like to hear you guys expand on this issue. So, I think, for me, I think that Brent is worse than Tahani and Eleanor in season one. Seconded. (laughs) (laughs) I think... Like, I do agree that he's sort of an amalgamation of both of them. But for me, his sexism is what makes him so much worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one of the main differences for me. Like, he treats Janet as this assistant when she's 
probably the most powerful being he will ever encounter in his life or afterlife. Um, but he, since she looks like a woman, he has no respect for her. Absolutely. Uh, he gives her gifts, which I think is supposed to be understood as lingerie, which is gross. Um, he just feels like every guy who has been called out for sexual harassment in the past few years um, with the Me Too movement. And uh, it's just a little too close to reality for me, I think. He's obviously sort of a Trump type figure. Um, and if we think that Trump is redeemable, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I mean, Eleanor and Tahani felt very cartoonishly selfish in season one. Right. But Brent feels like some people we just know. And that is the difference for me. Um, not to say that awful people that do awful things cannot be genuinely remorseful for the things that they have done and change um, and apologize and make those changes in their behavior. I just don't know how they would do it with Brent in such a quick way. I feel like he's kind of... I feel like he's kind of going to be on the back burner from this point on. So I'd be surprised if we spent a whole lot of time with him. And I think he would need a whole lot of time to be anywhere near redeemed. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think. What do you no, think, Jason? I, I completely agree. Like he just seems too real in his awfulness. Right. And definitely the, the chauvinism and just how... He looks down on everyone. Mm -hmm. And Tahani was more of, I don't know, she felt less of looking down on everyone and more of seeing herself as more important. So it's not like she thought everyone was disgusting human being. like Worthless. Brent. Yeah, like worthless. She was just better. Mm. Um, and she constantly needed to remind people that she was better by talking about her famous friends or beautiful people that she had met or places that she had gone. Mm -hmm. She was just bragging a lot of the time, mm -hmm. trying to keep her status, even now in the afterlife. And Eleanor was, she wasn't sexist. She wasn't, she just didn't really like a lot of people and she saw that the world was crapping all over her. So she was just a little bitter. Yeah. Like she, very well, bitter. She's very, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very bitter. And that's very different than Brent. So. Mm. Who comes from this life of privilege, who's had literally everything handed to him and still pretends as though he's made it on his own. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. No. Mm-mm. I, I have very little sympathy for people that behave in that way. And so I find it hard to imagine him being redeemed. <laughs> I think I enjoyed this episode more because there was no Brent. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's going to be a, a relation. Brent screen time <laughs> versus enjoyment of episode. Right, right. We'll have to do a chart okay. at the end of the season. <laughs> anyway, thank you for your email, Danny. Thank you. One of the things that Eleanor says when she's trying to recruit Jason mm -hmm. is um, she doesn't have a car you can key or a house you can left eye Lopez. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> so left eye Lopez was a nickname for Lisa Lopez, who is the uh, singer in the R&B group TLC. Okay. And she unfortunately died in 2002 in a car accident. But in 1994, she was arrested for setting fire to... Um, a boyfriend's sneakers in his bathtub, which ultimately spread to the mansion which they shared and destroyed it. So she burnt down his house. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was an accident, she says, because okay. he um, she said that he beat her up after a night out. Oh, okay. so she did this as revenge and right. it just spread to the mansion. OK, so that's what Left Eye Lopez is. OK, cool. <laughs> He and... certainly can't do that. I mean, I guess he could try setting the neighborhood on fire, but he isn't that stupid. I yeah, hope. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully Michael got to him a little bit last episode. 
Plus, I don't think he really wants to have vengeance on Janet. He's just sad. Yeah, he's just sad. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Gigi Hadid? Like, I had no idea who that was. Uh, she's a model. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. I it's only like, know yeah. that because she was a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race one time. Yeah. I think she was on a Snatch Game episode. Hmm. Yeah. I <laughs> I saw all of John's article titles, so I, of course, had to pull them out. They're puntastic. Oh, they're so bad. Okay. So his articles were titled Eat, Pray, Barf, uh, Gigi's Shishi Retreat Treat, I've Hadid Up to Here, Oh No, She Hadidint, <laughs> uh, Gigi Ruins Bali Wedding by Being There, <laughs> Ain't Nothing But a G-String, Gigi Hadid Bears It All on the Balinese Religious Holiday, and Bali Legal. Yeah, not... <laughs> Great. But I can see how John's articles were read by people <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> yes. Definitely clickbait yes. titles. <laughs> Some pretty good ones there. A lot of a lot of fun wordplay. So clearly he's meant to be here. <laughs> yeah. Megan Amram would be proud. Yes. So why don't we talk a little bit about Jason? Okay. Let's do that. He was so monk-like this episode. Oh, yeah? He was very contemplative. When Michael and Eleanor find him in order to ask for his help, Yeah, he's standing by the fountain, just looking. He's thinking. Pensively thinking, yeah. contemplating his breakup. Just, he's not playing video games. He's not destroying things. He's just kind of bummed. And mm -hmm. I think it's the most calm we've seen him. Right. And when they ask for his help, he he's like, yeah, great. I'll help you open up that jar of peanut butter. And and then later on when Eleanor's saying, yeah, we have to put the more pressure on Chidi. What else can you do? And Jason's just like, let's just relax a little bit. Take it easy. Take it slow. We've put enough pressure on him. Oh, by the way, that scene. Yeah. That shot is beautiful. Like it's yeah, so that set it's so is nice. Really, I don't know where they are because I have never seen that doorway, but it's very pretty. Yeah, right. They're just they're framed under this doorway, and oh, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, if it was two different people, it could be a very romantic moment. Yeah, absolutely yeah. for sure. <laughs> but it just seemed like Jason was very I don't know peaceful and thoughtful this episode until of course he takes the the stone and hucks it into the fire to get his Pamela Anderson motorcycle but <laughs> still but excluding all of that yeah that could have been acting yes could have been probably well, wasn't it was, uh, he was following along with what Eleanor decided he said you know maybe we should back off but Eleanor was insisting that we don't so he was kind of doing what he was told right he was doing his job yeah yeah, Jason was a lot of fun. I'm really glad that he is useful now and that he actually has a real purpose in the plot because sometimes he really just kind of feels like a hang on, I guess. Like a, oh, a hop on, you a know, hop on. a hop on, like from Rusted Development. Just going to get some hop ons. Yeah. You know, not super important to the plot, just kind of there for comic relief. And mm -hmm. now we're using him effectively. Yeah. So that's good. I'm glad. And we got to see Jianyu again. Yeah. The briefly. silent monk. <laughs> Very briefly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was really fun too, just to see him act the exact same way as when he confessed to Eleanor, mm -hmm. just saying, you got to help me, homie. I'm scared. Like same words, same performance, everything. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> How are you feeling about the breakup between Jason and Janet? It's still sad. Yeah. I still like them together. And I think once Janet gets a grip on the neighborhood and herself, and she seemed okay this episode, so she was creating many things for Tahani and John to do. <laughs> True. Um, so I think we will see them together again. Yeah. I have hopes. Right. But what about the moment where she's saying that Tahani should punch john in the face and then gives her boxing gloves do you feel like that's unlike janet or 
no, that she's doing what, you know, girlfriends would do for each other, right? Okay. Like, where is he? Let's key his car or let's <laughs> let's talk smack behind his back or let's punch him out. Right. I don't know. It just seems kind of like a fun revenge type thing that people would joke about doing, but not really. Right. Okay. Like, That's oh, fair. I hate him so much. I'm going to go smash all his windows or... Yeah. But not actually do it. Yeah, I'm going to put a, uh, I'm going to light a bag of poop on fire and leave it on his front step. Right. That kind of thing. Okay. All right. She didn't seem out of, like, that much out of character to me. And I'm with you. I totally am just, I'm kind of over the whole, this isn't our Janet or this isn't our Eleanor. I That's one I was never on board with. No, me but, neither. I mean, just because she enjoyed torturing Chidi, that's that just makes sense. Yeah, you, that absolutely makes sense. You hurt the ones you love, and that's kind of what she did. Yeah, and okay. So if we're switching over to Eleanor, I mean, Eleanor's confession honestly really spoke to me. I mean, I understand completely what it's like to have this giant mess of emotions swirling around in your head and not knowing if it's okay to feel the way that you feel. And, and then feeling embarrassed for feeling one way and then feeling mad that you're feeling embarrassed and then... Yeah, absolutely. Um, Apologies for any noise that you might hear. Our neighbor was stomping around upstairs, so... As he is wont to do. As he is wont to do. Mm-hmm. And her being angry with Chidi makes so much sense, right? She has been left. She has been left alone. It's almost like that anger you get when you're grieving the death of someone. Like you do, a lot of people do experience anger because they've been left and they didn't want to be left alone, right? They still wanted that person. And, you know, they might look at the choices that person has made in their life or the way that they died or however many different things and feel some sort of anger towards that person. And that's a normal feeling and a normal part of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, And she is 100% grieving at this point. She's lost him in a certain way. And I appreciated a lot of what Michael said to her. I'm glad that she had a chance to talk to somebody. um, Because it's really just so easy to, like, evaluate your feelings as good and bad, right? And feeling angry is bad. And so I shouldn't feel bad emotions like anger and guilt and sadness. Those are all bad emotions. And... Uh, it's easy to shame ourselves when we feel like we're not feeling the right way. Right. Like air quotes, right way. Because mm-hmm. there is no right way. Um, emotions are emotions. Exactly. They're emotions. And we keep insisting that our emotions need to be justified or accurate. Right. And she's saying, oh, you know, it's ridiculous that I'm mad at him because he sacrificed himself for all of us. And that's her going, I can't justify this anger. You absolutely can. You can justify that anger. And she's being so impatient with her feelings. Like she just wants them to go away. And so she's trying to channel them through like torturing Chidi and making him stressed out and all of these ways until she realizes she's actually hurting him. Mm-hmm. It's not just ha ha funny stomach ache. It's she is making him genuinely worried that he is being punished now in the mm-hmm. afterlife. And then that's the moment she goes, oh, I've gone too far. Yeah. And Chidi makes God cry. Yeah. <laughs> the fact yeah. that he sees her as a god figure is oh, so cute. Yeah. That was weird for me, though. I don't... Does he really think that she's God? That moment threw me off because we don't talk about God in this show. Well, so... we kind of do in the first episode. Um, Eleanor asks... I'm not... I feel like this might be in the extended episode. But okay. she asks Michael if he's god or what right and i believe michael says something about a a a frog figure or a frog being and he's just joking around right um yeah i don't believe any time after that Mm -hmm. because i think that was one of her first yeah and i understand how that would be one of the first questions that you ask once you're introduced to the afterlife um I guess I was just surprised that he called her God. We mm-hmm. don't tend to say that name in yeah, the show. Um, and because Eleanor kept calling him a strict Conti in this episode, I had to, of course, check out what Immanuel Kant's um, position on God was. And 
he had some arguments here and there. I guess it wasn't like really his main thing, um, but he pretty famously deflated arguments for God's existence. Um, there were some uh, arguments for God's existence saying that, well, you know, if you can imagine the that God is the greatest being you can ever imagine, then that means he exists. And he was constantly saying like, well, no, it's actually not because you can't, you can't use existence as a predicate. You can't say that if God exists, he must be the greatest being we can imagine. And therefore that means he exists. Right. Like he said, you can't use that to prove God's existence. It's possible for a thing, like it's possible for, like if a triangle exists, it has to have three sides, but that doesn't mean that a triangle actually exists. Right. Right. So Kant basically was uh, famously like arguing against God's existence or not trying to say that he didn't believe in God, but just that he felt the arguments on God's existence were flawed. He didn't feel like Mm -hmm. they were good enough. So that was kind of interesting. And I was like, oh, well, does Chidi believe in God? Is that part of his Maybe philosophy? he just assumes because it, it might be that Eleanor just never had that conversation with him. Like, Well, she said that she was the architect. Yeah, but the, the architect True. could be the all-powerful. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I, th- I think it might have been more of a just a fun Yeah, line. I made God cry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, I just wonder if it'll come back in some sort of way because mm-hmm. it felt significant to me. So, you, yeah, you were right when Michael was talking to Eleanor. Like his advice was really, really great. It was just yeah. Let yourself feel angry. Let yourself feel it. Process it and work through it. Just yeah. It reminded me a lot of the song in Steven Universe. I believe it's season one, two. I think season two. <laughs> Might be season two. Um, which is here comes a thought. Mm-hmm. And it was just the episode is about feeling your feelings and not being ashamed or like afraid of your feelings and just dealing with them and Mm -hmm. accepting them and working through them. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think as human beings, you know, our brain is so programmed to try to ignore pain and um, try to get rid of pain. So when like painful emotions come up, we try to get rid of them instead Mm -hmm. of just sitting with those feelings which can be really really hard to do right um but it's just that's kind of what that song in steven universe is about too just sitting with that anxiety sitting with those feelings and that fear and just letting it kind of like be in your body wherever it is and then like slowly letting it go right Mm -hmm. and that's that's what Eleanor needs to learn how to do. I mean, that's how I think most people need to learn how to deal with their emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, myself included. So I like that. I really liked Eleanor's journey in this episode. It felt like a great episode for everyone. Yeah, In I my agree. opinion. Mm-hmm. So before we head off to the end of the episode... Um, I just wanted to ask, when did we establish that Chidi was going to be running an ethics study group? Because I don't remember that. I believe that was the end of part two of A Girl from Arizona. Yeah? Okay. I think so. Yeah, I guess I'm just blanking because I don't remember them actually saying, hey, this is when you're going to have this study group and let's get that started right now. Yeah, it was kind of... Uh, just something that they said and then we never saw it. Right. We didn't see it happening. Yeah. We didn't see any of Chidi's lessons or right. Brent in any of those lessons. Yeah. Or... So we did kind of miss out. Mm-hmm. It's just happening behind the scenes. Right. So we're seeing the other side of it, whereas in season one we saw the other side of it. So yeah, that's true. I guess we're just supposed to assume that in those weeks that we've had the first few mm-hmm. episodes... That it's been going on. Yeah. I would have liked to see some of it. Yeah, even just, you know, someone leaving uh, an, a session with him or something like that just to, for us to see that those are happening. Yeah. Um, 
to see and not to be told, right? Right. And I wanted to talk a little bit about him lying. Um, because Michael points out that he outright lied. Um, why do you think that he did that? Like, he outright lies about the motorcycle being his. And that is when Michael is like, mm, we've gone too far at this point. I think he did it because he felt like it was the only thing to do. Right. It wasn't his place to out Jason. Right. Okay. And Jason wasn't going to out himself like Eleanor did in season one. Right. Um, partly because that would ruin everything. <laughs> um, okay. So do you feel like he lied at any point before in this episode? Because I kind of think he did. Um, when Eleanor and Michael come to the door and mm-hmm. ask how Gianni is doing, he's saying, oh, well, you know how monks are and, you know, he's definitely not shotgun and cheese whiz and no monk would do that. And it's, it's not a direct lie, but it is a lie of some sort, right? Lying by omission. <sighs> he never s- specifically says, oh, Gianni is doing great and, um... He's having a great time in my classes or anything. He's mostly just saying, oh, well, you know how monks are, which is kind of avoiding technically answering you. <laughs> Maybe Chidi is able to separate Jianyu and Jason, and that's how he's justifying <laughs> it in his mind. Uh... He's thinking, well, Jason's a mess, but Jianyu, well, you know, you know how monks are. <laughs> I think... That he is being very careful with his language so as not to lie, mm-hmm. technically. Right. Um, but I think it's a very, like, eh, technically not lying. <laughs> You're really tiptoeing along that line. <laughs> oh, yeah. You may have fallen a little on one side of that line a couple of times, but yep. <laughs> okay. So let's get to our mysterious cloaked figure. Sure. So I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking if it's someone we know, who could it be? Okay. Who? Well, let's go through who it's not. It's not going to be Sean. It's not going to be... Why do you say it's not going to be Sean? Because there's no reason for Sean to be taking a little manual pump. He would take a train with Bad Place Janet. Would he? Yes. That's. Okay. These are my thoughts. Okay. Yes. He, okay, would take, okay. he would take the train with Bad Place Janet. It's not going to be Mindy. Mindy doesn't care. No, Mindy because, really doesn't care. And they're already in the medium place, technically. And this person is coming from clearly far away as we see several different neighborhoods. Not neighborhoods, zones? but zones of different weather. Yeah. Um, so it's not... See, I was also toying with the idea that it's one of our four. Mm-hmm. That it's Eleanor or Tahani or Chidi or Jason. The real ones. Because of hearing all these theories of it's not our real people or whatever. So it would be the real one, whoever was either in captive or something that broke out and managed to hijack one of their little hand pump carts. Right. Okay. So it could be the real janitor, the real Michael, which is what everyone is kind of. Those are the two everyone thinks have been replaced by someone else. Yeah. Um, And then another theory was that it's one of the demons. Right. So I saw that people were thinking that it could be Glenn. Mm -hmm. And since he was the one who was kind of the most abused out of the the demon group in the (laughs) short series, The Selection, Mm -hmm. that came out just before uh, season four, that's the most likely in my mind okay i immediately thought that it was one of the demons in the michael suit coming coming to replace him so replace him or coming to say that he had been switched and doing one of those classic which one's the real michael moments and then we have a whole episode of who's who or which one's the real one exactly which one's the real one and there's always those moments of well okay how tell me something that only i would know exactly and and those standoffs and that could be very dramatic so that was my first thought that's pretty much as far as i go though 
Because I don't think that this Michael has been switched. So I feel like it has to be someone coming in in a Michael suit to mess things up. Okay. And the reason that they're not taking a train is because that would be too obvious. Yes. They have to be Well, a train would be announced to the neighborhood. It would be a whole big thing. Some guy coming in on a little trolley thing, whatever he's on. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna not really draw a whole lot of attention. Okay. I like that idea. Yeah. Plus, you come in a cloak, you can hide, and then find your way into an office, and then, ah, I'm Michael. I've been here the whole time. What are you talking about? That I'm the real Michael. That's not the real Michael. That's how <gasps> Michael talks. Oh. <laughs> Somebody mentioned, I believe it was in an email. Yes. That we are going to see Michael's true form. Yes. So maybe that is the result of the skins being pulled off or something. Mm. I don't know. Interesting. I'm, I'm very intrigued. And this episode is coming out late, so... Episode four is going to be airing here in about... An hour? An hour and a half. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't have too long to wait to find out. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, overall, what were your thoughts on this episode? I really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was fun to see Janet and Tahani have a little moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was fun to see Tahani and John bonding over hot goss and drinking <laughs> Oprah sludge mushroom. Ugh. Yeah, I I just imagined how disgusted you would be by that. Even oh, it if it tastes like candy. Even if it tastes like candy, the second you hear mushroom and dog, you'd be like, nah, no thanks. It, it could taste like sh- sunshine and rainbows, but I don't want it because it's a mushroom. <laughs> so that's you. Um, <laughs> That's good. Okay, so you liked... I liked Eleanor's crying moment when she realizes that she's actually been hurting Chidi. And I like Michael destroying Jason's motorcycle (laughs) and Jason going, not again. (laughs) That's just what motorcycles do. That's just what motorcycles do. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was a really good episode. Yeah. I also really enjoyed this episode. I felt like it was kind of nostalgic. It felt a little bit like a season one episode. It was kind of slow in comparison to the, you know, really busy episodes we saw in season three where, like, everyone was in Janet's void and all that kind of stuff. Big things happening every episode. Exactly. And I think we're just establishing the world as it is so that we can turn it on its head. And that's probably what's going to happen with this new person coming into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um I really liked Eleanor's story. I liked how they addressed her anger towards Chidi and that Michael validated that it was normal. Uh, I like that Jason's useful now. I like that Tahani is vulnerable to help John. Um, And a stressed out Chidi is really just always a delight to watch. (laughs) I know that I shouldn't like him being so anxious, especially as a person who suffers from anxiety. I shouldn't like that, but he's so funny in those moments he's just so funny and Um, i see that you're still here that moment was so good someone uh replied to my post of that moment on the no context good place twitter account and just said i need a banner of this so that i can unfurl it every time i have guests over and i want them to leave and so i need (laughs) that to happen now we need that um (laughs) I, basically, I'm just glad that we're not sacrificing the time with our main characters for the new residents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really surprised when I browsed online. I saw a lot of people saying they didn't like this episode, that they felt like it was slow. Um, they were kind of bored. Um, and most people just really wanted to predict the twist. And I was like, Meh, I'm over predicting this twist. Like, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about the meat and potatoes of this episode. Let's just... Thankfully, I get to do that here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just let the episode flow over us. Yes. In a warm, hot, bog mushroom water. Ugh! Um, And some of the other great jokes in this episode uh, that I wanted to mention. The episode title was so cute. Chillaxin. And that Michael thinks that he is the first person to come up with that word. But then, he kind of is because it's just... Cheaty and relaxing together, which is great. Um, of course, I love his I see you're still here moment. 
Um, I like seeing him try to justify the motorcycle. And he's just like, oh, yes, I love um, Canadian TV actress Pamela Anderson. Uh, <laughs> I forgot that she was Canadian. I guess she's Canadian. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Um, and the Little Mermaid treatment joke, very good. Very <laughs> they good. get rid of your vocal cords and make your legs look fantastic. Yeah, somehow that's how it works. Uh, okay, so shall we get to our mail? Let's talk about mail. We've okay. got some interesting thoughts and mm-hmm. questions and accusations. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We Only will... one accusation. <laughs> so let's start with our email from Stevie. Oh my god, how many emails do we have? We have a few. Yeah. Okay. Um, Stevie wrote, In step with what Jason has said on the podcast, I think the supposedly year-long experiment taking place in the medium place will end soon. I think this will happen because they're going to pass the judge's test. They're basically on track to pass the tests that the judge gave them at the end of season two. Eleanor had already passed and is continuing to be part of a team and be selfless. Chidi made a huge decision regarding the memory wipe, no endless deliberation, and Jason showed impulse control. The test to Honeyfield had to do with her not caring what others thought of her, and I think the blogger's purpose in the show will be to show her growth in this regard. Their motivations are no longer corrupted by thinking their positive actions affect anything. They think only the new group's progress matters. I think the judge is actually tracking the points of the original four to finish the test she sent them to Earth for, and which was then interrupted by Michael's interference. I really like this idea. I really do, too. I think this is a really interesting theory. I didn't even consider that. <laughs> I I like it a lot because I think as an audience, we just care more about Eleanor and Chidi and Tahani and Jason than we do about any of these new residents. Mm-hmm. So the idea that they're still the ones being tested is fun. Yeah. And would be a fun twist, too. Yeah, I really like that. Okay, Stevie, keep those theories coming. Thank you. Yeah, and it's not like a big mind-bending twist. Like, oh, they were all in the Upside Down, and it's a crossover with Stranger Things, and blah, blah, blah. No, no, let's just tone it down. Let's dial it back. It's all just a daydream from someone in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Stevie. Our next email comes from Karen. Who says, guys, enjoy your podcast as a commentary and discussion of points large and small in the show. But I cannot believe you failed to mention or failed to notice that when Eleanor was talking to Chidi and urged him to help Simone adjust to the reality of the good place, he complained he had a stomach ache, but that for the first time it was a happy stomach ache. Do you not remember (laughs) that at the end of season three, before Chidi's memory was wiped, he said that after that, whenever he had a stomach ache, he would be thinking about Eleanor. Hi, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Karen. Thanks for your email. I 100% did notice this moment, and I also 100% forgot to mention it in our last episode. I didn't notice it and did not forget to mention because I didn't notice it. Chidi has a lot of... Uh, stomach aches in this episode and I'm wondering if Eleanor is enjoying giving him a stomach ache because she knows because it kind of makes her think of that moment Mm -hmm. of he imagine I'm thinking of you right Right. Um, but no uh, definitely did not forget it (laughs) Um, I like the idea that his stomach ache there was a happy one because Somewhere in his subconscious, somewhere underneath, he is actually feeling those feelings he felt for Eleanor. Especially because in that particular moment, they're talking about some sort of romance, right? They're talking about him being soulmates with Simone. Mm -hmm. But we all kind of know the show thinks of the two of them as soulmates, Chidi and Eleanor, Right. right? So it's like he's still thinking of her somehow she's somewhere deep in there and that's sweet yeah yeah it was definitely an awe moment for me too (laughs) don't worry um glad that you enjoyed episode two as well and i hope that you liked episode three we got a message from someone named katie cronk at katie cronk on twitter one thing to consider is that the soul squad is also being calculated on how their points look after this year as well as the experiment humans With Jason murdering Derek out of jealousy, I bet his points would have plummeted way more and could come up in the future. 
So Katie, that idea is pretty similar to the email that we got from Stevie. And I really like the idea that team cockroaches points are still being affected in Mm -hmm. this experiment. And I agree with you that Jason murdering Derek would probably reflect negatively. Yeah. I don't think it would be good, but Um, Derek isn't real. Isn't a person. True. Would it still count? Right. Because the intention behind it is. Is selfish and it's impulsive. Right. I think pretty much our cockroaches are doing well. Um, Jason is doing much better now. In the first episode, he wasn't. (laughs) He was not. And it scares me to think that some of the four might not... Make it to the good place? Pass this test? I don't know. Yeah, it's scary. Ooh, Katie, you're scaring me. (laughs) (laughs) We got a message from... Danielle on Facebook, um, who said that she has mixed feelings on the episode. She felt it was overall kind of slow and not that great, but there were some great moments. Um, and I gotta say, it seems pretty common, Danielle, that, uh, that most people feel this way. And I feel like it's pretty common for the show itself to get like this. It seems as though around the third episode every season since the first season, the audience kind of gets a little stir crazy thinking about the next big twist. Mm. And I think that the writers are really just trying to get us comfortable with where we are right now so that they can give us that twist. And I think that's part of it is like you can appreciate it maybe as you're binging through because you're not having to wait but when you are doing like one episode a week it does it can feel like okay well we're not moving fast enough and this Mm. show moves so fast so i'm expecting it to be at lightning speed right yeah it's definitely a show that you can appreciate a bit more when you binge the whole thing Mm mm-hmm but it, it's also just so fun to sit and think about what's going to happen next week or, yes. you know, have that water cooler moment where you just <laughs> chat with your friends and try to predict things. And Yeah. And Danielle was the one who mentioned uh, Michael Schur having an interview where he revealed we'll learn a lot more about Michael's corporeal form in the fourth episode of this season. So right. that is where I'm thinking... It's got to be a Michael suit. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that uh, prediction. Yeah. So. I'm on team Michael suit now. (laughs) Thank you, Danielle. And our last email was from Hannah, who was uh, talking about the selection little web series that had the bad place discussing who they were going to be sending for the experiment. Mm -hmm. And that's where um, the whole Glenn possibly being in the suit theory comes from because he was kind of picked on and didn't really seem to get along with everyone Mm -hmm. and um was uncomfortable with cheating right so Mm -hmm. yeah um anyway i think i hope we went over that sufficiently for you hannah thank you for your email i really like what hannah said in this she wrote This would be in keeping with the show's philosophy of surprising the audience by doing the thing we know is likely much sooner than we're expecting it. And I personally would be happy to see another reformed demon, but they'd have to sell Glenn's sudden shift from supports the status quo, but thinks Sean's methods of defending it are sketchy to ready to portray his organization slash realm, abandon everything he's ever known and risk retirement to help Michael significantly change the status quo pretty well. Yeah, that would have to be... A big turnaround. Yes, but exactly. I would I would much rather watch that re- reformation than Brent's. Right. Yes. So, show me a demon being reformed before showing me Brent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just really like the theory that it's not someone from the bad place coming in to cheat. Um, I think they've already done that this season, and the judge has told them what's going to happen if she finds out they're cheating again. So. Unless we do a, ooh, who's Michael switcheroo type of thing next episode. I, I just, I don't want it to just be Sean coming in to mess things up. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of boring. So thank you very much, Hannah, for your email. And just a reminder, everybody, we still have a 
uh, a contest going to win a Fork and Bull shirt keychain. So if you'd like to submit your entry into the the running, then just let us know with a keyword Michael Suit directly to our Facebook, which is Multiverse Radio Podcast, or you can direct message us on Twitter, Multiverse Radio, or send us an email at info at multiverseradio.ca. Mm-hmm. And thank you to those who have already entered. We're excited to we're excited to reveal the winner. Yeah, and I mean, what better way to show off your love for the good place and this amazing podcast than by <laughs> repping some sweet bling, <laughs> some swag? <laughs> and with that, this has been Forking Bullshirt, a Multiverse Radio production. If you're a fan of the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Also, tell your friends, your neighbor, your Arizona trash bags. And if you want to get in touch with us, Jason already told you, but in case you didn't get a chance to hear it or to write it down or to type it into your keyboard furiously, we're on Twitter at Multiverse Radio and Facebook at Multiverse Radio Podcast. You can use the hashtag FBullshirt and we'll be able to find your thoughts and you can email us from our website, www.multiverseradio.ca. I'm Vivian. And I'm Jason. Thanks for listening. Toodles.